Chris O'Connell, the government announced late last month its intention to increase the job seeker payment by $25 a week, which is effectively a cut from the current rate of $715 a fortnight with the so-called coronavirus supplement due to be phased out at the end of March. I'll start with the straightforward question. I suspect I uh, have some idea of your answer, which is uh, what was your reaction or what was the reaction of the Australian Unemployed Workers Union to uh, the government's announcement, which is strangely being reported as an increase in the payment, but as I say, is effectively a cut. That's right. Um, We were absolutely like sickened. It hit us right in the gut when we heard this announcement. And, you know, the other reaction we had was absolute fury um, to think that after everything we've experienced over the last year, that the government has still decided that it's appropriate to force people to live so far below below the poverty line. Um, It's just incomprehensible, really. And they have no plan for jobs, no solution. And this is what they're doing. Now, there were a lot of uh, anecdotal reports and indeed research which proved, unsurprisingly really, that people's lives improved greatly with the $550 a fortnight coronavirus supplement. So Job Seeker, or some people colloquially called it the double dole, was up to $1,100 a fortnight last year. People were saying they could finally afford fresh fruit and vegetables, pay their bills, pay for their children's clothing and shoes at school and so on and so forth. Give us a bit of an idea of how much of a a difference that that extra payment made to to people's lives during that period? Well, as you said, Alex, it was no surprise uh, that people were able to afford the basics once they uh, had a payment that was on the poverty line. Um, What we heard, I think, that was the most important difference that that increase made was that people found their mental health improved and their physical health improved. So often we talk about what people aren't able to afford, but we don't talk about the health impacts. People reported feeling less anxiety, um, having that alleviation of financial distress, being able to catch up on some overdue bills, um, you know, getting out from under the thumb of um, people chasing debts, um, being able to repay friends and family and, you know, no longer feeling that kind of sense of guilt and shame, um, you know, being able to say yes to social activities and not having to constantly fabricate excuses um, to keep yourself at home um, and to save money meant that people had a new energy to be able to just live their life, but also to actually look for work that would suit their circumstances. So again, we can't understand the logic, and there indeed is no logic behind this cut. Um, it makes no sense at all unless you hate poor people, which is something we feel the government absolutely does based on every decision they make about the welfare system. Speaking of the logic of the decision or the lack thereof, I mean, part of what's baffling about it, and you don't have to be a quote-unquote loony lefty to, to find it baffling, is that even groups like the Business Council of Australia have called for an increase in the payment and a more substantial increase than what the government is proposing. So as you say, it, it is illogical. I mean, what do you think the government's thinking is behind this? Is it as crude as, you know, really just punishing the poor, as you say? Honestly, we know that um, organisations like the BCA, like the Australian Retailers Association, like Deloitte, like KPMG, these big businesses that are not known for A, profiting from poor people or B, generally placing our interests first, have called for these increases because they know that there is economic economic activity that will come as a result. Um, so they're actually talking, making these uh, points in their own self-interest 
Um, the government claims to care about economic activity, and that is why we say that the government hates poor people more than they love their donors, because these are the organisations they normally listen to, they normally seek cover from for their policy decisions, like tax cuts, which, you know, have been worth billions and billions of dollars um, over the last few years, money that could easily have been spent to give people a fair life. Um, so, yeah, we again, I do genuinely think it's ideological. Um, we have seen the imposition again of mutual obligations, which do hurt people. Um, and there's no point to those either because they are proven to not work, not put people into jobs. Um, so, again, every single decision is completely consistent if you come at it from the perspective of there is no underlying logic here. It is simply the fact that they want to punish us for not having work. And also to point out that it's not only punishing us for not having work, they also have no plan to have people in jobs. So we're talking about the t government targeting 6% unemployment. We think that'll mean about 1 million people um, relying on unemployment payments. Obviously, there are hundreds of thousands of kids in those families as well. So millions of people dependent on these payments without any expectation that the government you know, wants to create work for us. Yeah, let's get down a bit more to the brass tacks of what the government is doing to supposedly help unemployed people. There's been the introduction of the so-called job makers scheme, but that's very much targeted on youth in the extent to which it helps uh, young unemployed people is, is highly questionable anyway. It's a wage subsidy for employers for job seekers under 29. Has that at all been effective? And also you're talking there about mutual obligations and according to the government's own figures from the Department of Employment Australian Bureau of Statistics, there's only one vacancy for every 15 job seekers. So obviously there's a huge gap between the vacancies on offer or the jobs on offer and the job seekers out there. But just speak to what the government has done to, or what it's suggested to do uh, to help unemployed people and, and, and what's really required in reality. Um, yeah, well, I would say that the government hasn't done anything to or hasn't suggested it's going to do anything to help unemployed people. The JobMaker scheme that you just mentioned, as you said, it's a subsidy for employers. There is no requirement for those employers to pay workers anymore. Um, they are being incentivised to create bad jobs with low hours and low pay. Um, and also they have the opportunity to uh, reduce the hours of older workers, reduce the hours of existing workers and replace those with younger people who are cheaper. Um, so there's a really perverse incentive there to further undermine the labour market, which again is part of the government's agenda to put downward pressure on wages um, and to make it harder for people to win the good conditions in the workplace. Um, so we know that that's one factor. Um, they've also talked about, as you said, introducing new measures. Um, they have made no claim or they have made a very spurious claim that these might help unemployed people, forcing people into extra training activities, um, forcing people to apply for more jobs, ultimately is really just about lining the pockets of private job agencies and training providers. They're not talking about giving people support to attend university or to, uh, you know, go to a TAFE course that would actually help them to get skills that they might want to be able to look for work. They're talking about more of these, you know, pointless hamster wheel activities. Some of the training activities people get put through at the moment include things like, you know, learning how to shake hands and tie your shoelaces. It's absolutely <laughs> demeaning and ridiculous. So we don't expect things to improve much, um, particularly looking at this hotline that they've introduced, what many are calling the job seeker hotline, where employers will be able to call up and report someone. Dobbing a dog bludger. 
Absolutely. And it's going to make it um, really intimidating for people who know that a job isn't suitable for them, who do actually have protections um, in the social security law to turn down work, but to feel that if they do do that, they're going to um, lose their payment, risk losing their payment, and therefore be intimidated by employers and job agencies. Um, dodgy employers have a long history of colluding with job agencies. So, yeah, that is just another thing that they're doing that isn't going to help any unemployed person at all, but will enable employers and job agencies to profit more from our poverty. Now, we'll try not to get lost in the figures here, but in researching for this interview, Kristen, I was reminded of really some of the very sobering uh, figures around unemployment. Bizarrely, when Scott Morrison announced this so-called $25 a week increase to JobSeeker, he proudly declared that that would mean the payment was 41.2% of the minimum wage, as though somehow that was a good thing. The official poverty line for a single person is $914 a fortnight, and again, to remind the listener, we're talking about JobSeeker being set at around $615 a fortnight. And according to another measure of poverty, the Henderson poverty line, the, the real poverty rate is $1,100 a fortnight. So I mentioned all that by way of asking you, Kristen, what is the, the fair rate here? What sort of payment should we be talking about for uh, unemployed people? Well, we know that the community is on our side because there is consistent polling that shows um, Australians do not believe that people should not be able to afford the basics. Um, 84% of people in an essential poll last year said everyone should be able to afford secure housing, food, electricity bills, healthcare and things like that, that we know people on these payments are going out without uh, regularly. Um, we know that uh, there is support for increasing um, payments quite substantially. Uh, many people, more than 57% of people, think it should be at the current uh, pension rate. Um, and there are at least 28% uh, of people who believe that the payment should be at the Henderson poverty line. Now, the reason we use the Henderson poverty line is because um, it has been a consistent series over time that does account for housing costs. The lower um, poverty line figure that is often used is an international figure calculated, um, you know, not really reflecting the local housing market here in Australia, which we know is extraordinarily expensive. And we know that a larger proportion of people are in private rentals in Australia than in many of the comparable countries in the OECD. So there are, you know, many reasons why we argue for the Henderson poverty line. That is what we believe it should be. We're currently running a campaign called 80 a Day, um, and that is essentially the, what the Henderson Poverty Line works out to be. And it is the same level as what payments were at last year during the height of the pandemic. Um, so we don't think people want this rate to be set on the basis of some obscure calculation that is tied to the minimum wage, though we do think people would agree that if the minimum wage is supposed to be, you know, the bare minimum, you can kind of get paid for work, that anything that's sort of 40% of it is absolutely disgusting and not fair at all. You mentioned the 80 a day campaign there, Kristen, and I always try to end interviews on a positive note. And if you're really outraged or angered, if perhaps you're an unemployed person, yourself unable to afford your bills and, you know, feeling alienated and frankly pretty pissed off about what the government's doing and you're wondering what you can do to help, you perhaps might want to think about joining the Australian Unemployed Workers Union and also getting involved in their campaign, the Radio Day campaign. I understand there's a week of action coming up later this month, Kristen. That's right. So people can go to 80aday.org um, to find out about both the campaign to get welfare payments up to the Henderson poverty line and the week of action that we're planning um, in the third week of March. 
We are going to have events happening all around the country, um, lots of different ways for people to get involved. So if you're not able to get out of the house, um, you can participate in our online protest against job agencies. Um, we will be in Canberra um, talking to media, talking to politicians and protesting at Parliament House. Um, we will be having community stalls outside job agencies um, to talk to people both about what their rights are in Job Active because lots of people don't know that they do have rights and they can push back against job agency abuse and also talking to the community about what it's like to live in the welfare system and why it needs to change. So there's lots of stuff going on. We do encourage everyone to go to that website, 80aday.org, and sign up. You can also join the Unemployed Workers Union for free. That's at auwu.org.au. And um, that's available both to people who are unemployed, who are in the welfare system. Um, we have a fight back membership. Uh, and then also for people who want to show solidarity with us, we have a solidarity membership as well, which is also free. Um, so we encourage everyone to do those things, um, find out what we're up to, support what we're doing. Um, particularly, we have really great communities um, on Facebook and Twitter. So find us there as well um, and start, you know, kind of, getting active and, you know, standing up for yourself. Um, and if you're not in the welfare system, um, supporting us and, you know, defending our right to live with dignity.